The following is a message given by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. All right, so this message will be in keeping with our Where We Stand series, and it follows Joel's sermon on the the church last week. As he mentioned, over the next two weeks, we'll be looking at the sacraments of the church. This week, I'll be preaching on the Lord's Supper, and next week, Sean will be preaching on baptism. The title of my sermon is Celebrating the Lord's Supper with God and Believers. Let's be nourished by God's words as we remember Christ's sacrifice for us and look to his return. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat for. In eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Sorry. Let a person examine himself then And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. 
But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. You know, I'd like to discuss five common misconceptions today. To demonstrate the reason why we need to critically examine what we hear and believe, I'm confident that taking a posture like this will ensure that we learn the truths about stuff, including the practices which we partake in. So let's jump in. All right, so the first one, do you know that microwave ovens do not cause cancer? A microwave's radiation is non-ionizing and therefore does not have cancer risk associated with ionizing radiation, such as x-rays. I see some people saying yes, and I want to go as far to say no studies have found that microwave radiation causes cancer. I see some people face perk up and some frown and all kinds. Even with far greater exposure than normal radiation leakage. Wow. All right. I'm going to go some. Do you know that microwaving food does not reduce its nutritional value and may, and may actually help to preserve it due to shorter cooking times? Research it. All right. I know I am not a microwave salesman, but I'm just speaking about the facts. All right, the third one. Do you know that Vikings did not wear horns on their helmets? All right, I, guess, I guess some of you could figure that one out. All right, this one going to shock the whole of the church now. But... Let me see if any of you guys picked up this in the Bible. Do you know that the Apostle Paul did not change his name from Saul? One person. He was born a Jew with a Roman citizenship inherited from his father and thus carried both a Hebrew and a Greco-Roman name from birth, as mentioned by Luke in Acts 39. So you want a source, a source there. Saul, who is also called Paul. Wow. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice one there, Sheldon. <laughs> All right. And this is my fifth and last. Do you know that Xmas did not originate as a secular plan to take Christ out of Christmas. I hear this all the time. <laughs> Actually, the word X is the Greek word, and you know, for you, some of you guys who do math, you know, you hear about chi or ki. Well, the first letter in the Greek for Christos, which is Christ, 
that same chi, if you ever look on it, it looks like an X. Oh. So actually, in English then, X was what? Was actually the scribal abbreviation for Christ. Ah. Um, no. <laughs> All right, but from our little exercise, one of the things I want us to realize is, you know, not everything that is commonly thought or practiced is correct. That's, that's, that's really what I want you to see. Well, in our text today, we will see that some of the popular thoughts and practices regarding communion, I, I do believe they may be challenged. In fact, our passage today is going to highlight, and this is the big picture, of what I'm sharing today, the Lord's Supper reminds us of Jesus by proclaiming his death until he comes and is to be celebrated by all believers. I'll repeat, the Lord's Supper reminds us of Jesus by proclaiming his death until he comes and is to be celebrated by all believers. Yet I suspect that, you know, Often our re reflection of Jesus in communion, it does not include this kind of earnest expectation of his return. It should include a hope of our complete and perfect deliverance from all evil and pain. A day is coming when we will finally have rest and experience amazement in God's presence as we are united with him and other believers. Hallelujah. However, that's not all. In our partaking of communion, are we thinking through the various ways we can and ought to celebrate this sacrament together? I want you guys to think about that. And on the other hand, does this passage, does this text indicate how we shouldn't celebrate it as believers? Or are we just making too much fuss over this practice in the church? Well, I hope as we examine Paul's warning and encouragement that we will see the reason why the Lord's Supper reminds us of Jesus by proclaiming his death until he comes and is to be celebrated by all believers. All right, so for this text, I will be borrowing from Andy Nisley, um, who suggests there are six ways, six ways of looking at approaching the Lord's Supper. Six ways. And they are one, to look up. And for those who are making notes, I'll just say you can just make a note of it, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. So look up, one. Look back, um, chapter 11, 23 to 26. Look ahead, um, again, chapter 11, which we are in, verse 26. Look outward, 26 as well. Look within, verses 27 through to 32, and look around, 33 to 34. So I'll just repeat it quickly again. So look up, 10, um, chapter 10, 16. Look back, 
verses 23 to 26 in chapter 11, which we just read. Look ahead, verse 26. Look outward, verse 26. Look within, verses 27 to 32, and look around, 33 to 34. I had, had to kind of do that because our projector is not working this morning. All right, so let's begin with our first look, which is look up. So we've been talking about the Lord's Supper, but I, I've kind of not established what the Lord's Supper is. I think it would be prudent to spend some time kind of fleshing out what is this Lord's Supper before jumping into our text. Now, the word, as you hear the Lord's Supper, you, sometimes you hear persons are using um, communion interchangeably with the Lord's Supper, um, even Eucharist. Uh, and the communion is this ongoing sacrament. So as you hear the word ongoing, you know, it's something that we would do um, weekly, monthly, etc., right? Versus like something like baptism, which is a, this kind of initi initiatory one-time event. So you guys see the, you see the difference there? You have this thing, which is an ongoing thing. It's called communion. And then you have baptism, which is this one-time event. Event. Hopefully you guys are following. All right. But as you hear this word, Eucharist, um, for those of you who have studied Greek, you would know the word Eucharist, it comes from this Greek word, Eucharisto, which means what? To thank. So actually, one of the things as we celebrate communion, what are we supposed to be? Thankful. Yes. Wonderful. So the Lord's Supper is a sacrament where we celebrate Christ's death on the cross. And it connects with this Old Testament Passover. Remember the Passover, what took place in Exodus, right? And it connects also with what Jesus um, did in the upper room. So Jesus had instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room. Do you remember he said to his disciple? I deeply desire to celebrate the Passover with you one last time. Moreover, the Apostle Paul says that what? Christ, our Passover lamb, have been sacrificed. So if you think about that, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed, and then Christ himself saying that he wants to celebrate the Passover Thus, I believe what you, you see in the scripture is there's a link between the death of Christ and the Old Testament Passover celebration. It really was a sign of deliverance. And you hear the terminology deliverance. So think again, Exodus, deliverance from Egypt kind of thing, deliverance. But even as we think of our own salvation, there are ways in which because of what Christ has done, we have been delivered, sin and so forth, right? So you have deliverance, but it's also a sign of what? Redemption. Because Jesus, and, and, and Joel spoke about that this morning, Jesus redeemed us. He purchased us by what he did on the cross, by his blood. So because of this, we can escape the wrath of God. Wonderful. So let's try to connect the dots here. So under the old covenant, I hope you guys are following. Under the old covenant, 
you'd have a meal, and this, some of the, the men here this morning might be like, Arr! but as a male, you know, there was this little thing that happened when you're eight days old. <laughs> uh, to a male Israelite, <laughs> it's called circumcision. <laughs> and um, thankfully, the, the women didn't ha have to go through anything like that. <laughs> I know it's not even possible, but anyway. Um, so, all right, so you have this thing called circumcision, which would take place. But then you also, for all the Israelites, there was this Passover meal. This Passover meal, which every year, uh, you know, every year you would commemorate God's redemption. God's redemption of Israel from slavery in Egypt. So, so think about it now. So circumcised, being circumcised was this one-time event. You, you, I don't know if you've seen the connection where I'm going, you know. So circumcision was this one-time event. And what? Passover was this. On, oh, you guys are following. I see everybody's like, you guys are following. It was an ongoing rite. So we come to the new covenant now. And Jesus institutes this baptism and this Lord's Supper. So to, let me see if you feel, you're following now. So baptism would then correspond to circumcision, yes. And Passover would now correspond to what? The Lord's Supper. So, so, so we see both in the old covenant and the new covenant, we have this kind of one-time event thing and then this ongoing. We have that in the new covenant. All right, so let's return to our text. That was just the context there. Um, so, so remember, we're, we're looking and looking up, right? So in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, um, you may want to look at that in your Bibles. But just think about it. This would be the, this would be the chapter right before chapter 11. Now, remember, um, biblical books, weren't, they, it wasn't written in chapters. So when people wrote a letter, it's a letter, right? So naturally, Paul would have addressed chapter 10 and then go into 11, which is where we are today. So just think of the context. So in verse um, 10, 16, it says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So therefore, Paul indicates that we should look up because we have an opportunity to celebrate our union with Christ. This is a big deal. As believers, we get to partake in the Lord's Supper because we have union with Christ. Listen, this is a huge point, you know. I don't, I, I, later, I'm going, I'm going to show you why this is foundational. But just think of union with Christ, right? All right. In fact, another reason why we can look up is because God himself is the one who prepared this Lord's Supper, this feast, for us. This is an exclusive deal, an exclusive meal for those who believe, those who place their trust in this Passover lamb, this Jesus who was sacrificed on our behalf so that we can have eternal life and reconciliation with God. So, all right, so that was look up. So let's go on because we have six look ways we're going to look this morning. 
Um, so we're going to our second look, which is to look back. And we see that in verses 23 to 26. Please, I know, they, I know that everybody having a wonderful time, but let's, let's stick to it. Verses 23 to 26. So follow, follow with me in your Bibles. All right. Now, because this is a, one, uh, a one-off kind of message, um, I just want to give you a little context of what was happening in Corinth, because I don't know if many of you are aware of what was happening in Corinth. But Paul wrote to the Corinthians church from Ephesus, right? And Corinth was this Roman colony. And as you hear the word colony, I'm sure you're thinking colonization. So the Romans went in and they took over, you know, Greece and whatever. So it's this Roman colony in Greece. And what you have is you have many cultures and religions that are mixing together. And what is happening is this newly formed Corinthians church, what we see is it, it is filled with division. There's sexual immorality and there's social snobbery. So in verses 17 through to 22, what happens is we saw that there were these professing Christians who um, treated the Lord's Supper inappropriately. Um, the rich often invited other people over for dinner and seated them according to their social rank. Um, the people with the better seats often got the what? The better food. Come on, come on. <laughs> and the better wine. And what do you think happened to the people who had the lower positions? The what left? Exactly. Humiliating the poor believers. No, if you think that was bad, the people them feasting and getting drunk on the Lord's supper. <laughs> no, that is just, I mean, they, they, they were out of work. You know, it's just it's crazy stuff here, people. I mean, just look in verse 21. Um, so as a result, the Apostle Paul, you know, he, he, you know he's, looking, he's looking at the actions of these professing believers, and he actually alludes to actually one good thing. In, um, in verse 19, he says, those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So guess what? In the midst of the chaos, they were actually um, believers. He saw, based on their actions, based on how they were treating others, that he could say, listen, they're genuine. Even though a lot of crazy stuff is happening, some of them are genuine. And then he moves to what we see in verses 23 to 26, which is the look back. What he does, he reminds them of the cross. This morning, Joel mentioned that. He says, one of the things that Grace Family Church is going to, over and over, we always point back to the cross. You know, as believers, I want to ask you something this morning, though. What are some of the unhelpful practices which we have adopted based on our culture without recognizing it? I want you guys to think about that. And this is, this is going to be a hard one. I see my wife there. I'm going to say it loud so she can hear. And my kids... Would some of us be viewed as believers if we were in different contexts other than the church? Wow. 
So I want you guys to think about this. So you're at work. If some person see how you behave at work, would they, would they say, I believe he's a Christian, you know. Or at school. Or maybe in some of your social groups. All right, let me, let, me, let me put the one where people tend to try to disassociate themselves. Social media. Mm-hmm, yeah, man, that one hurts. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, when they go onto social media, it's a different person, a different persona. So let, think about it. In verses 23 to 26, Paul speaks about Jesus' death on the cross and bringing back the Lord's um, again, what I mentioned, the last Passover meal discussion with his disciples. And, you know, this has caused so much disagreement in, um, throughout church history because most people are trying to understand what, what is Paul saying here? What, um, and it was actually Jesus who said it. This is my body. This is my body. What does that mean? No, most people will actually believe the real presence of Christ is present at the Lord's Supper. I want you to hear that. Most people, I see some people perk up a while ago, but it's true. Most people believe the real presence of Christ is present at the Lord's Supper. Most. All right. So I know, some, I know there are some questions. But before I jump into that, however, what Christians have not agreed on is in what way is Christ present? As I alluded, Jesus said, this is my body, right? So the question is, how must is be understood? Is Jesus saying, this bread that I'm breaking really is my flesh and this cup of wine that I have blessed is my blood. You know, I believe if we put, and I'm going to try to help you here, um, two scriptures together, um, John 13, 33, for those who want to jump to that, you can, and the popular Matthew 28, 20, everybody know the Great Commission is the verse right after. Um, if you put those two together, maybe that would give us clues of how to understand this. So, Let's, see, let's, let's look at these two texts and see if we can assimilate the information as we put them together, right? So, all right, so we're going to jump into um, John 13, 33. So Jesus says in John 13, 33, Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to you, the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now, if Jesus said, where are going? You cannot come. That means that Jesus has got to take away himself. Right? Okay, that makes sense. All right. And most of us would agree that that happened when Jesus ascended to the, into the heavens, right? Okay, wonderful. All right. So let's jump now to Matthew 28, 20, which is the verse after the popular Great, Commi great Commission. It's, and Jesus says, And behold... I am with you always. Hold on, hold on. Hold on to Jesus. <laughs> what? I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So how do, how do you put like this together? Imtek himself, but he's always with me. All right, so there seems to be then this special way, if you want to call it manner, in which Jesus is with us, and yet he's away from us. Can you guys appreciate that? And, and, and let me tell you something. This isn't like where we'd say, um, like I would say, Sean is, Sean is here today in spirit. You know, you know that kind of talk where we talk in Jamaica? I'm here in spirit. No, no, no. Sean isn't here in the way in which we are talking about Jesus being here. Jesus is saying that there is a way in which when the body of Christ comes together, he is here, even though he is by the Father, he has ascended and he's there. So I want you to recognize, therefore, when we do celebrate the Lord's Supper, something meaningful is happening. And we do believe that God's presence, Jesus, is present in a special way. I'm hoping you guys, I can't do a whole thesis on it, but I just, hope, I just want you guys to kind of see where we come with that. As I conclude later, you will um, hear our statement of faith, and you will hear how we think through things like that, all right? Okay, I believe one of Paul's goals is to show that the Lord's Supper is a regular reminder that we share a common faith in Jesus Christ. And that matters more than our differences. I want you guys to hear that, you know, because I think a lot of times we can... Spe we, we can um, specialize, if you want to put it that way, in the differences and not recognize that we have so much in common as believers. And I think Paul is also highlighting that Jesus' work on the cross should lead to celebration. And this was a consequence of salvation, which is a direct benefit which we as believers have. You know, we've, we've received salvation and through that we have been unified together. As such, I believe any practices that we um, implement in, in church that would seek to go against that, you know, what it means um, to cause division, then it would be like we have forgotten what Christ has done for us, what he has done for the people of God. And that, is, that, is the, that was the issue that Paul was addressing there, you know? Okay, so now that we have discussed our Lord's Supper, we've talked about this idea of looking up because of our union with Christ and looking back because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. Let us go now to our third look, which is to look ahead. In verse 26, Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Therefore, the Apostle Paul is what? He's encouraging them to look ahead. They are to look ahead. They are to look ahead to the marriage feast as they anticipate Jesus' return. You know, this verse captures the E, the expect in Grace Family's church DNA. It was up here this morning. It's, it's, not, it's no longer here. Oh, the wind blowing. No, all right. <laughs> But, um, right, but as you come into church, 
you would see we have our A, B, C, D, E, and E um, is, you know, just a reminder each week that we expect our King's return, Jesus' return. And, you know, this is something that we don't just want to experience as you, as you walk into, as, as we would say, you know, church. But this is something we want you to experience in our prayers. I want you to hear that. When, when we pray at Grace Family Church, do we pray as we, as we expect Jesus to return? You, you understand what I'm saying? Do, do the songs that we sing, do we, do we sing songs that, that celebrate that Jesus is coming back? Do you hear that in our sermons? Do you hear that when we have in our give and greet and our discussions? He's coming back. You know, the Lord's Supper, as we are seeing, is what? It's multidirectional. And here we're looking forward to Jesus' return. Listen, Christ inaugurated the kingdom when he first came. Hallelujah. But listen, listen, when he returns... He's going to consummate it. Hallelujah. Listen, listen, we have so much to celebrate, to look forward to. You know, listen, 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 listen. The marriage supper of the Lamb is something we can look forward to. It's a foretaste of heaven when Christ, the bridegroom, will come for his spotless, his perfect pride, the church. What a day that will be. Mm. You know, we have covered the first three ways of celebrating this Lord's Supper by looking up and looking back at the cross and looking ahead to Christ's return. Let's go on to our fourth look, which is to look outward. You know, looking outward entails proclaiming the gospel to unbelievers who are present. Unbelievers. No, this is the part where I know in some churches, this is the part where it always feels a little, you know, where you kind of give this speech, you know, that, you know, communion is for believers. But I want you guys to understand that this is actually a good thing. It's a good thing because when we participate in communion, we're, we're saying to them, listen, you can also participate if you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. This is supposed to motivate you. This is not something to supposed to let you think, well, you're on the in, and I will never be on the in. I will always be on the out. No, it's an encouragement. It's a motivation. And, you know, interestingly, there are some churches who, you know, they may practice communion in, in different ways, and, and there are different views regarding communion. As a matter of fact, God question notes that some churches invite everyone to participate in communion, regardless of their spiritual standing or evidence of even open sin. Most churches, however, place some restrictions on who can take communion. Most require at least a profession of faith in Christ. Most also require that the recipient be in good standing. I want to hear that. Good standing in the church that he or she is not living in unrepentant sin. And some churches actually require baptism, wow, prior to taking communion. And some require even official church membership, right? So um, I'm sure we're going to 
talk a little bit on that. But what I want you to know is that many of the early church fathers saw baptism as a prerequisite for communion. And I had already um, shown earlier that the Lord's Supper is for who? Believers who are walking in fellowship with the Lord. But, but there's a little caveat here because if you, if you were listening keenly a while ago, you would have recognized that you could be a believer, but you're walking in unrepentant sin, and that would also disqualify you. So I want you to, to make a note of that. All right, so the scriptures indicate that communion should not be open to unbelievers or those who are living in known, unconfessed sin. But here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. Participating in communion should not be limited to a particular church or denomination. Now, I know there are, there are a lot of people who would come to Grace Family Church and pop by, they come from different churches, and we gladly receive you guys and certainly participate in communion. It is for believers. You know, once you're walking in good stead with the Lord, take the communion. All right. Got questions, notes now, but I want you to remember, this is the part where we're looking outward. It notes, if a person has no union with Christ, hear it now, the act of taking communion has no significance. You can look in John 1, 12, Romans 10, 9 to 10. A person who has not been spiritually regenerated, which means born again, has no means by which to commune with God. Ephesians 2, 3, Colossians 1, 21. Therefore, an unbeliever taking communion is practicing hypocrisy. And it may place them in danger of God's judgment. So this is serious. So, again, I've also, so as, as I've said, if there are unbelievers in our midst, even as we will celebrate communion this later, this is a good time for you to say, listen, I want to place my trust in Jesus Christ today. All right, so, let's, so we've covered the first four, um, celebrating the Lord's Supper, which is looking up, looking back at the cross, looking ahead to Christ's return, looking outward to proclaim the gospel to unbelievers. Let's go to our fifth look. And where do you think this one is going to be? Look within. This is verses 27 to 32. Look within. Paul tells the Corinthian believers to look within. By doing what? Self-examination. Self-examination. He does not want them to have a sinful, relational kind of issue with each other, you know, that, which is what was taking place. He, he warns them of the, the consequences of not doing this, this proper self-evaluation. And you know what? What was the consequence? Let me see if you guys know your scriptures. To, you can be what? Weak, ill, or what? Or die. Yeah, the King James Version says sleep, but we know say Dead. I won't say dead, you know. We're not talking, you know, some nice, no, dead. Antifa, dead. <laughs> um, so, Tim Shorey argues that communion is meant to, to restore and strengthen peace among us. It promotes peace first through what it is 
and second, by what it requires. Sure, as if for no other reason than this, we would do well to observe the Lord's Supper together as frequently as circumstances permit. You know, I agree with Shore as it does encourage me to pursue reconciliation. And let's just be honest here. Don't, don't when you guys know you're going to take communion, if you kind of have a little tizzy with your significant other or wife or husband or picnic or whatever, though sometimes you try to make amends because you say, listen, man, I take communion. And I'm, I, tell the truth. I just me one. Okay, okay. <laughs> right? So there's, so there's this way that it encourages you to what? Pursue reconciliation. And, and if you pursue reconciliation, naturally it leads to peace. It's, you know, it's a consequence. So, all right. Now, I want to kind of address maybe an elephant in the room, I don't know. But some of you may say, you know, even as you heard Shory say as often, some of you may say, but I realize something about Grace Family Church. You guys tend to um, have communion a lot of times. Um, you know, like weekly kind of thing. Now, some persons have this view that if you have communion um, regularly, you, you may almost kind of like downplay it or you may not regard it as highly as we ought. But let me just tell you, that hasn't certainly not been our experience. Listen, one of the things that we do here at Grace Family Church, and I'm sure you would, you would see this in every single one of our sermons, regardless of what the topic is, right? We focus on what here at Grace Family Church? The gospel. And that makes, you know, and, and, and we connect whatever we preach with what we say in communion. And that has a, has a way of just enriching the whole experience as, as we do communion. Because what we're actually doing is we're learning to not only connect um, what we're preaching, but how does it tangibly look as we do this, this, as we partake in this communion. And that is awesome. So I want you guys to recognize that is one of the reasons why, you're, you know, the pastors here, as we came together, we felt, no, this is a good thing. This is something that each week is going to remind us that Jesus is coming back. Listen, Jesus' body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. No, this is, we, this is something we want to park, <laughs> shop, I say. No, always going back there. You know, Shore rightly says, um, Communion observance leads to consistent pre-communion soul-searching and re reconciliation. Didn't we just say that? Similar to what Jesus says about being reconciled with each other before offering sacrifices to God. Matthew 5, 23-26. Paul argues we should examine our hearts and the state of our relationships before approaching the Lord's table. So that would kind of affirm what I just said. Um, so... If that's the case, I want, I want to give you a different perspective then. So this kind of self-examination, even though a lot of people like to only think of it as warning and judgment and whatever, isn't it then a means of loving one another? Because if you truly examine yourself and you're thinking about how to 
operates in the body of Christ, then that is going to translate with how you deal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It will show in the way that you love one another. So I have some questions for you then. Wow, here, here, here is it now. Um, I hope you guys put on your seatbelts. So have we forgiven all who have asked for it? First question. Have we confessed our offenses against others and pleaded their forgiveness? Have we sought reconciliation with those who have hurt us? Are we bitter toward anyone? Are we prejudiced towards, um, toward people of another culture or color? And don't think so because we're, well, I guess everybody here is black people, right? Um, that we, we can't be prejudiced because some of us, we don't like white people. And I'm just, yeah, you see what I'm saying? We can't be prejudiced. Um, all right, let me, let, me, let me get into some more stuff here. You know, are we concerned whether the, these believers are JLP versus PMP or Democrats versus Republican or Browning versus Black or upper middle class versus lower? Are here, no? Provax versus what? All right. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, in some circles that I'm in, I'm seeing all of this. <laughs> Are we more marked by peace and affection or by anger and offense? Do we refer to them more than us when talking about any group of believers? Mm-hmm. Do we look down on the poor or the less educated in our lives? Have we done all that we can do to be at peace with everyone? And lastly, can we sincerely embrace with love all who joins us in communion today? You know, we've covered five ways of celebrating the Lord's Supper, which is by looking up, looking back at the cross, looking ahead, to Christ's return, um, looking outward to proclaim the gospel to unbelievers, looking within, which is this self-examination. So let's go on to our sixth and last look, which is to look around. Look around. As a matter of fact, look around. Look around. Look around. You know, Paul in these two verses seem to be encouraging the Corinthians to look around at your fellow church members. You know, this is one of the wonderful ways in communion we get to celebrate our union with each other as a body. I'm sure for some of you who have been attending Grace Family Church, you have noticed, you, have, may, you may have noticed it, you, you have said, yes, I've seen this, I've seen in a give and greet. Do you, do you recognize that's what we do? In a give and greet, the, the greet, that's what we're doing. We are looking around. Um, for some of you who have had communion with us, you would have recognized there are times when we sit in groups together and we take communion and we look at each other. Um, because, um, and I know Joel, sometimes Joel says, just look around. Because we want persons to recognize we are members of the body 
of Christ. Listen, when you, when you, when you read just these New Testament writers and you just see how many of them emphasize this horizontal nature, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, it's important. So this is the reason why we will continue as Christ's body, the church, who have been redeemed by his blood, why we will continue to look around. GFC, let us never forget the fellowship that is at the heart of our church life together. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship is at the heart. So, as I'm closing all together, I believe my message today demonstrated that the Lord's Supper reminds us of Jesus by proclaiming his death until he comes. And it is to be celebrated by all believers. For my conclusion, I'd like for us, and unfortunately because the projector is not working, we can't, as usual, um, project the statement of faith. So I'll just read it to you. But I'd like for you guys, um, so we are part of the Southern Grace Churches. Joel mentioned some of the countries that we're a part of earlier in, in prayer. But I just want to read to you what, what our statement of faith says, um, we, the Lord's Supper. It says, in the Lord's Supper, the gathered church eats bread, signifying Christ's body given for his people, and drinks the cup of the Lord, signifying his blood shed for our sins. As we observe this sacrament with faith and sober self-examination, we remember and proclaim the death of Christ. Commune with him. Mm -hmm. You see the different things there. Receive spiritual nourishment for our souls, signifying unity. Look around. With, our, with other members of Christ's body and look forward, look ahead to the Lord's triumphant return. Let's pray. You have just listened to a message by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.